podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. And this season, the We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call. Or a shout, it's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. Happy New Year, everyone. I know I said that to most of you last week on my own. It's me, Will Pugh. I'm back again. Thanks and sorry to those of you who had to suffer my 30 to 40 minute monologue in James Jones's absence last week. Since that time, when I took it upon myself to spouse, no, what is the word for that? Suppose, repose, James, you can correct me on that in a minute. When I uh, I decided to just let rip, let loose in James's absence about my pro West Ham, pro David Moyes feelings on all things hammers at the moment. Since then, West Ham have done what they tend to do. And uh, yeah, tripped me over, made me look a bit of a wally by drawing one all at home to Bristol City in probably the most frustrating fashion possible because uh, we also got at least two, potentially three, um, of our best players injured as well. I am delighted to say, though, that joining me once again for the first time in 2024, for the first time in three weeks after his self-imposed extension of the officially sanctioned We Are West Ham annual leave that me and James Jones take over Christmas, it's Jonesy. James, happy new year, mate. Delighted to see you again. Happy new year. Um, and I feel like there's lots lots to cover um, after your I think the, the words you were looking for was spout. You were spouting, yeah, yeah. spouting yeah. all sorts of stuff. Facts. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to be back, so that um, I, I have a right to reply to the, the often defamatory oh, yeah, comments yeah. aimed towards libelous. me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> incredibly libelous. Um, yeah. Listening back when I was doing the editing, going, how dare he? I think you could successfully sue me. Lost count how many times you called me a coward. Yeah, definitely. Um, And and I just thought, I just thought, I can't believe it. I I mean, the only reason why I couldn't do it is because I had a few job interviews, and I just started all over (laughs) over the place, to and from London, standing in mum's a couple of days, and perfectly, I'm being called a coward (laughs) on a on a podcast being listened to by thousands of people every week. What must they think of me? Yeah, but what must they yeah. think of me? So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be glad to be back so that I can respond to those uh, defamatory accusations. Absolutely, mate. Look, how was your break? What you've been up to? People, no doubt, will be desperate to hear. Um, you know, a few of the mundane James Jones life tales that we've had before on the podcast. I assume have you got any new toys that Harrison got? You had to pull up the shed. Uh, one obviously still been uh, the long term favourite anecdote. Yeah. 
None like that. My brother bought Harrison um, a couple of very, very big toys. Uh, one was uh, a Scalatrix, funny enough, which is incredible, by the way. Decent. Back, yeah, yeah. Back to the Future branded as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, and yeah. uh, another one was um, like a Hot Wheels track, massive, massive Hot Wheels track, which is it's Mario Kart branded. Yeah. Um, two really, really cool, cool toys. But the only problem is, is that they're absolutely huge. Um, yeah. So and you have to. So it's not like you can you, you build them and you can just keep them up and just maybe no. after you finish, but you've got to take them all down, put them back in the box. Yeah, and yeah, the boxes yeah. are massive, so where'd you put them? Um, yeah. And I knew he was buying them, and I said, "Mate, these are really big." And he was like, "Well, that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem." <laughs> and I was like, "I can't really debate with that." And then so obviously when they arrive on at Christmas, and you're like, "Harrison's buzzing, he loves it." That's the problem, isn't it? You want him to much, hate it. I spent most of the time enjoying watching him play with the toys and being excited, but in the back of my mind, going, where on earth am I going to put this thing once he's got bored of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm still wondering what we're going to do at the moment. They're behind the TV. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, yeah, it was good. It was it was, it was, was a nice Christmas. Um, it's yeah. always magical when you've got young kids about, so um, good fun. And uh, New Year was just Lucy and I stayed at home and watched the fireworks, just us two with a load of cheese and a load of champagne happy days mate. The, the dream but yeah what about you did you have your son with you or no he was in bed i didn't what we do we, we, we put on last year's fireworks at like seven o'clock in the evening and made it made it seem like it was midnight and then yeah, yeah. happy new year and time for bed and put it to bed and then we watched this year is that fireworks. is that what you actually do that's what we did. I know if you have, uh, quite a lot of parents do it. Really? Yes, you, you pretend it's New Year and it's only 7 p.m., but you just put last year's when you find it, find them on YouTube. That's them on. simultaneously genius and really evil. No, I mean, I mean, he's not gonna, he's not gonna grow up and go. I can't believe what my parents did to me when I was four years old. Maybe oh, think it not... was new. Maybe uh, maybe uh, think yeah. it was New Year's New Year's Eve when it, uh, it was like <laughs> midnight New Year's Eve when it wasn't. It was only 7 p.m. I don't think he's gonna resent <laughs> resent that. So no, he right. wasn't Pump sitting there going, Oi, that's just 2023. What are you trying to do to me? <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. no, 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 fair enough. Listen, knowing your brother, Ollie, as I do, um, you know, several West Ham uh, home and away pre and post match pints have I shared with him. Uh, that sounds like he's done, he's bought those presents on purpose just to get to you. I don't think he cares yeah. whether Harris yeah, is going to like I him. think he did. I think he did. Yeah, he <laughs> won't go as far as admit it to me in person, but no, I reckon he did. But yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, mine was uh, yeah, very enjoyable indeed, mate. Yeah, worked all the way up to Christmas. Had a nice little break afterwards. Uh, worked on Boxing Day, of course, big football day, and then yeah, a few days just like you know, sitting around at my mum and dad's house, like I was fifteen again, um, eating chocolates, eating all their food. Yeah. Did a bit of cooking and the Christmas dinner and some of the subsequent meals as usual. But yeah, all very nice, mate. Yeah. And it's my mum's birthday New Year's Eve, so we went to the races and then back to my parents' house. Mum did her usual. And uh yeah, me and um my girlfriend were, were went back to mum and dad's and all sort of like cooked a nice dinner for everyone. A nice I made a banging leftover turkey and gammon pie. And then uh yeah, and just like, right, now we'll settle down, have a few drinks, play a game or two and watch the fireworks show. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mum was like out for the count. I think she made it to 10 to 11 and was just like, nah, get out of bed. 
Uh, so yeah, no, all very, all very pleasant, James. But delighted to be back on the We Are West Ham podcast across from you, of course. Um, it just seems to me, Jonesy, that <clears throat> in the debates we've had recently, or I say recently, you know, on recent podcasts, the last sort of big couple we'd had before Christmas was the David Moyes debate, and uh, and I would say it was the first time really I felt where we've come at an issue in the five years we've been doing live radio shows or or podcasts this podcast which was born out of the radio show of course um that we've been broadcasting or podcasting together i honestly couldn't really think of a time where we've been more opposed on an issue typically when we're crap we both think we're the same you know <laughs> we both think we're rubbish uh, and when we're good we think we're good. Like in, we'll disagree on sort of minor things, perhaps. And I think we come at it from from lots of different ways. And whilst I am fully behind the We Are West Ham festive break, which we always have, I honestly was just like, well, West Ham are doing this on purpose. It's like they wait until me and Jonesy have gone hammer and tongs. And then they put on, and knowing that we're not doing a pod for a week or two, they put on a few performances that are absolutely mustard, like genuinely amazing. And then as soon as they know we're coming back, they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not having, we'll be able to gloat too much over Jonesy on the We Are West Ham podcast. And as we know, David Moyes listens. Um, I, I just sort of feel like they're doing it to me on purpose. And all of the... You know, I was full of gusto, as I'm sure you can imagine. Couldn't wait to give it to you. In fact, I think I did on WhatsApp a few times over Christmas. I think my favourite one message I sent with you was, are you, I don't assume you're fuming after we'd beaten Arsenal 2-0 away. <laughs> um, and yeah, West Ham had just sort of taken the air out of my, the wind out of my sails somewhat less so with the board, the Brighton result because I was genuinely in a good mood after that I think to take four points off from this season the game weren't brilliant and I'll forget it soon but I had a pretty enjoyable evening I thought it was a good point not the performance was brilliant but then the Bristol City one it's a bit like and yeah where do you sit on all things West Ham because I understand uh, whether or not it was fueled by me doing a bit of soul searching over the uh, festive period well like it was the Arsenal game that made me take a step back and and uh, reevaluate my my stance on the whole thing, and, and so Will's was right. Um, absolutely not. I will not stick that. <laughs> uh, it, it made me think. Well, do you know what? Do you know what? I think I, I don't. I, I still stand by my comments after the Liverpool game about the way that he manages his squad and and the fringe players. Um, I even tweeted you. I can't remember. I think was, was it Robbie Musto. On an American, oh, yeah. on an American uh, t TV uh, like punditry channel, it's yeah. exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Um, so I still stand by those comments, but it, it made me take <laughs> a step back and go, do you, "Do you know what? Do you know what? Actually, what David Moyes is doing at the club is fantastic." And I've never said it isn't. I've never said I don't like. I don't like David Moyes. I love the bloke. Like I absolutely like. He's a hero to me. What he did for us in June in Prague. Is, was nothing short of like dream come true type stuff. So, um, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna not get involved in the whole Moyes in, Moyes out thing now. I'm just gonna enjoy it for what it is. Um, and I, I just, yes, there will always, uh, the, the Brighton game, 
I was happy with. Like, genuinely felt like yeah, that. Yeah, me was a too. Point. Yeah. Genuinely yeah, walked out of that ground a little bit underwhelmed because like, the atmosphere was a bit flat. I was underwhelmed. That's our first. I looked at it. It was our first nil-nil since 2019. I think mm. or 2021, maybe, maybe I can't remember. Um, but we've not we've not experienced a nil nil home or away for so long that it kind of felt weird, like from an mm. uh, like it felt underwhelming just purely because I hadn't seen a goal. And normally we at least see one. Um, <laughs> yeah, often from the other team. But yeah. yeah, especially when it's Brighton. So I, I kind of but that was the only feeling. It was all, but then sort of walking back to the state to the station game. Actually, given where we are in the league, you know, had we lost, we would like Brighton would have gone above us, so we've stopped that from happening. Um, off the back of beating uh, Man United and Arsenal, means we were still in a really good position in the top six, strong position going into games against Sheffield United and, and Bournemouth next up. Yeah, going actually, no, that's, that's a good point for us. Respect the point. Um, so I'm kind of that's that's where I'm at now, mate. I'm kind of just going, yeah, let's just enjoy the rest of the season. I think no, I wasn't there. Um, on Sunday for the cup game against Bristol City, I was at the circus. Um, <laughs> so were the 64,000 people uh, there. Uh, I, was, I, I did think while I was there, I was like, if we lose this game, I've got a cracking joke. I've got a yeah, cracking yeah, joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, I don't think it works with a one-all draw. Um, and I think yeah, it's, yeah. A re- it's a replay as well that we, we could have really done without, given that it does cut short our winter break a little bit. Yeah. Given some of the injuries we picked up as well, probably not ideal. Um, but, Again, is what it is. I can't really comment too much on that, but I'm 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 happy about the way the season's going. I always was, mate. But I was always looking. Perhaps I was wrong in in looking too far ahead too soon. Going, yeah, it's great now. It's great now, but you know what's going to happen in the summer? You know, is he the right man? Is he not the right man? Um, now I'm just going. Do you know what? After that Arsenal game. I don't really care. Like, I don't care. Like, we've just beaten Arsenal. Yeah, Declan Rice left West Ham to go and win a trophy, and we've stopped him from winning two because they're not <laughs> going to win a Premier League now. And I absolutely love that fact. And those fans, yeah, I'm just buzzing with that. Like the season could end now, and I'd be happy. We could be 16th, and I'd be happy because we've beaten those two <laughs> twice this season. And hopefully, we beat them again in February. Um, but on a serious note, I'm done with that debate now. Yeah, I'm done with it. Um, let's just enjoy the season. See where we're at come May um, or June. But I think I think by the time that time comes around, I think we'll all be looking back on, a, on another really good season because <laughs> a lot does rest on some of these injuries and what we do in January. Probably need one or two players in key positions. But I still think that we're we're, we're on the verge of another really memorable season at West Ham, mm. and. Um, People will say that's in spite of Moyes. Um, I'm not getting involved anymore. I'm done. I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. And it is a golden era at West Ham United. Yeah, I, mate, that is music to my ears, I must admit. Because as, as much as it gives me huge pleasure... Go on. I've just seen the draw for the fourth round has just happened as we oh. speak. Go on. And it's not Man United, thankfully. Uh, it's Nottingham Forest... Or Blackpool. Oh, yeah. At home? Uh, I'm just trying to find out. Uh, That's not terrible. Uh, like, the, the last thing you want is to be travelling to Bristol City away. With the, the, winners the, the, the winners of West Ham. The winners of West Ham or 
uh, or Bristol will host Nottingham Forest or Blackpool in the fourth round. So oh, that's it's right. not bad. That's right. Take that. Take that. Our home, yeah, our home draw is fantastic. So all good. All right, fair enough. You did a proper ugh face then. So because <laughs> yeah, I thought if we're away, like just yeah, it'd just be like Blackpool's a long away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but but home, take it. I was at that game, by the way. Anyone listening, get in touch if you're at that Blackpool away game. And I genuinely use this. This is my like. This is how much of a West Ham fan badge of honour. Blackpool way midweek in the championship. Lansbury, Lansbury winning goal. Yeah, Robert Green sent off early doors. Big Sam, no goalkeeper on the bench. And uh, Roman Bednar scored for them. He used to play for West Brom as well. And then, um, yeah, I think we, I, I'm not sure if we were drawing when Green got sent off. We went on to win, I think. One of the most memorable games ever. Um, but a flipping long way, Blackpool is. Um, yeah, Jonesy, music to my ears about Moisey, to be honest, and, and your stance on it. And I think, to be honest, you know, uh, again, obviously I'll enjoy glowing and winding you up. Um, as I did after the, the Arsenal Man United games. And, you know, you have a tendency and other fans as well. And you've said this before, which is the bit I sort of struggle with sometimes about, oh, is he the right man long term? And I'm like, I don't care, mate. Honestly, it could all go to pot. And it will. That's what happens with all managers, right? They reach the end of their cycle. At some stage, Moise will win, uh, lose too many games in the on the bounce and he'll get sacked. That's how it works, right? That will happen at one stage. And and I just think, look, honestly, and I still have got it wired into my head, I think, that this is all temporary and that West Ham will, within the next three to four years at least, just the cycle will stop and we'll like come round again um, and we'll go and we'll have a couple of years, you know, maybe more, who knows, of finishing 11th. And not being in Europe, not even being really that close to it, and being, again, in the Cups, going out to big teams, as we have this season, as we have historically anyway. So I, I honestly, and that's where my thing of it comes from is, because I think we're both, right, when we talk about it, I don't I don't go, what's everyone moaning about? The football's brilliant. I know it's not brilliant. I'm focusing on the results. Um, and you're, it's yours is like, you know, sort of the other way and you're thinking a bit more longer term and and you'd prefer the football to be better, blah, blah, blah. Just by the same time, but you're not going, and the results are crap and I'm not enjoying being sick. We both do have appropriate levels of nuance in, in the conversation. But I'm the same as you, mate. I'm bored of it. Like, I'm bored of going on Twitter and, it, it, like, I, I genuinely cut that down because it's just no it's no good as far as West Ham stuff goes. And I honestly was and am pretty bored of doing, like, the, the same podcast around that stuff with you as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think we're both in that situation. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to start 2024. We are West Ham with a vow. Um, to just like focus on what happened in the game, talk about what players we aren't going to sign, you know, like good old fashioned we are West Ham podcasting. Um, and yeah, try and enjoy it. Because honestly, mate, I reckon in the next four months, right, that me and you could be sitting outside the front of a bar in some European city somewhere again, hopefully two, hopefully three even. And, you know, doing a podcast again, chatting to local fans having a beer in Europe with your family, my family, friends of ours, as we've done before. And 
honestly, mate, really, like, would I would I and that's what it's all about for me. I would take like going to endure a few naff performances and relying on a few dodgy last minute goals if we get to do that every season for the next five years. Because I just I'm like I'm 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 wired into my head that it's going to stop at some stage in the mid term, short to mid term future. So and then it might stop for ten years, and so I just want to. I want to keep drinking up the experiences with you and, you know, your brother, my dad, all of our, the mates we've made, the different friends we've met up with while we're in all these places. I, I honestly, that's what it's about for me and I'll endure all the, the games. So, no, I'm, I'm more than happy, mate, to to vow to, uh, you know, lay off on the old Moisey and out stuff um, until such a time where that decision is taken out of our hands. Uh, it does appear... Certain reports over the festive period. He's getting a new two and a half year deal. See, I don't think we need to go backward and forward. I think listeners to this podcast know where we stand on the issue. So I'm all for enjoying the rest of the season. Um, Jonesy, we've got a guest this week, uh, a brilliant one. I'll be honest, I've taken advantage of your absence. Um, Jack Elderton is coming on. Uh, he, he, I've followed him on Twitter for a while. And to be quite frank with you, James, he just tweets lots of stuff that I agree with, mainly about David Moyes and Saeed Ben-Rama. Um, and, yeah, he just think, says things like, uh, what was his, yeah, uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of people um, telling fans that one of our greatest ever periods has been completely unenjoyable. Stop listening to that and enjoy West Ham winning football matches. He says things like, David Moyes is good and Saeed Ben-Rama is bad. Uh, all quite, um, you know, well thought out stuff. So I followed Jack on, on Twitter for a while and I thought, you know what, Jane, Jones is absent um, and we haven't got an opposition view to do next week, so I'll get Jack on instead. So the bulk of this podcast will be uh, me and Jonesy having a chat with Jack Elderton. Um, spoiler alert, we recorded this intro after the interview with Jack. So if anything doesn't make sense, that is why. Um, uh, Jonesy, uh, just quickly, actually, no, everyone, do us a favour. Please follow us on all of our social media channels at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. We are West Ham pod on Instagram. Email us at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com. If you so wish, um, what else can they do? James, they can buy us a pint. Can't they buy me a coffee.com slash we are West Ham. And what we would like you to do, please, uh, is follow us on subscribe even to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's buy us a pint at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Follow us on YouTube at We Are West Ham Podcast. Is there anything else, Jonesy? Housekeeping no. wise? No, uh, oh, leave us a review if you fancy it. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, just want to quickly, Jonesy, uh, we always tell people to get in touch. Lots of people did over the festive period. I read a few messages out last week, but Rob Reeves got in touch this week. And I promise, James, I'm not doing this. We've made our vow now. So this message was before the vow. So I'm not doing it just to wind you up. Hi, Will. Thanks, as always, for all the hard work James and yourself do. I really look forward to the pod each week. I've just listened to the latest podcast, which is one I did on my own, James. Uh, and just wanted to say I totally agree with you. I'm older than you dad for us not to be a relegation in a relegation fight is always a bonus for me unfortunately i think the negativity and polar opposite opinions is something that impacts society in general driven by social media i'm a classic member of the silent majority and as you say making sure i enjoy these times best wishes for 2024 and thanks in advance 
to both you for all the hard work until the end of the season. Very nice message from Rob indeed. And uh, yeah, keep getting in touch, everyone. James, before we move on and hear from Jack, I'm delighted you're back. I'm delighted we've agreed to just enjoy West Ham being good, even if it's a bit ugly at times. And I can't wait to find out who we get in the last 16 of the Europa League because I will be on the EasyJet website and Ryanair keenly waiting. Hopefully we'll be out there together again. 2024, this season, I suppose, first. Um, but then beyond that, what do you want it to look like for West Ham? What do you hope for? What do you expect? What's reasonable? Well, if 2024 ends up as a calendar year goes, as good as 2023, then room for a treat. Um, I don't know if you saw my, my tweet over the Christmas period uh, after our win over Arsenal, I think it was, which was our last game of 2023 in terms of the, the our record in the calendar year was, yeah, was yeah. something else. Um, so if we can do that again, absolutely buzzing. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, I think I think we're, we're in for a treat the second half of the season. Um, you know, I think it'll be uh, a top eight finish. Nice run in the FA Cup if we can get over Bristol City eventually. Um, and obviously in Europe, happy days will take it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, fancy that. Fancy us to get past Not the Forest, Blackport home. I've just got to do the, do the job at Bristol City. And yeah, I think as far as the rest of the season goes, we could have done without that extra game, couldn't we? But at least we're through to the last 16 of the Europa League. Yeah, honestly, mate, if we got to a Europa League semi-final again, I'd be ecstatic. Absolutely ecstatic. Like, if I'm honest, I think, I, you know, we've been saying it all season. Obviously, it depends on the draw. All competitions depend on the draw. That's why I'm not furious we went out to Liverpool. But with the Europa League, I think without knowing who we draw, I'd like to think we could get through the first like two-legged tie. And, you know, get ourselves to a quarter final again. And if we did that and I get two more foreign away trips and then that's it, I genuinely will be happy and I'll be like, I'll die a happy man and look back on the period fondly. But yeah, I'd be ecstatic with a semi-final. Uh, some bigger teams in it this time around. And now I think it's going to be a more difficult uh, prospect winning it. But yeah, be delighted if we do that. Yeah, FA Cup again, just at the behest of the draw, aren't you? Win the games we're expected to, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, look, if we finish the season in the top eight, I think that's going to be enough for a European place, probably. Again, depends how the coefficient goes. So, yeah, I'm properly, properly excited about the second half of uh, the season and 2024 as a whole. Right, James, uh, I think that's it. Great to uh, to be back again with you, mate. Uh yeah, Jack Elderton coming up next. That'll be all for the pod this week. And then me and Jonesy will be back next week. Again, it'll be somewhat of a shorter form fashion. We'll do a little bit looking ahead to Bristol City game. Nothing to look back on, of course. Uh, thanks for listening. Jack Elderton up next. The We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call or a shout. It's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under.
Sam, delighted to say, joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast for the first time ever is editor at Analytics United and writer and analyst for the West Ham United programme, Jack Elderton. Jack, delighted to have you with us on the We Are West Ham podcast tonight. And look, I'm just going to fess up now, right? James Jones and me, we have a break over Christmas and, and lots of people think, well, that's weird because when the most football's happening, but, you know, we've got jobs and families. And uh, and we just decide to take a step back. We do it every year. It's fine. The podcast is still going. I think people are all right about it. I am going to be honest, though. I pitched to James last week about doing the pod. Right, we're back on, back in it, mate. Come on, let's get stuck in ahead of the Bristol City game. James had a lot on. So I thought, oh, you know what? I'll do a bit on my own. I did an opposition view of the Bristol City fans. And, uh, and I just did a little bit on my own. It's not something we normally do. Uh, and while I was doing the planning, I thought, I know what I'm going to do because me and James, you have a tendency to go head to head, particularly on the David Moyes stuff, as we did pre-Christmas. I said, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to tap up where one of the lads I follow on Twitter, for whom almost every tweet he puts up, particularly about David Moyes and Saeed Benrahma, agrees with me almost entirely. So I've completely taken advantage of my uh, position and James's absence to get you on the podcast. I just wanted to get that out there now. Uh, but how are you? How are you getting on? Um, what are you feeling about West Ham at the moment? And uh, before we get into it. Yeah, all good. Uh, feeling very good about West Ham at the moment, really. And um, and, and things are going well. Been been very busy over Christmas. Uh, looking forward to a very, very small break now. Um, but yeah, all well. Would have been longer if West Ham had managed to actually beat Championship Bristol City at home, I'm imagining. Yes, yes it yeah. would have been. <laughs> well, listen, mate, like, so, uh, the, the reason I, I got you on in the first place, I've followed you on Twitter for a while now. And, you know, me and Jonesy find ourselves often that this podcast, we try not to, but every now and then this podcast can just sort of slip into like me and James shouting into the void in response <laughs> to things we've seen on Twitter. And it's just like, this isn't really the real world here, but you are uh, one of the accounts I follow. And whenever your, your profile pops up, I, I sort of always like to have a look. Um, it, it, it's the, 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 I don't really know where to start. Um, what are your, what's your, just, just give us a brief summary of how you feel as a West Ham fan at the moment. I think, unfortunately, the, the the dominating feeling at the moment is frustrated, and um, I, I wish it weren't so because of the season we're having um, so far, and and how well, really, over the last few years, the club has done. I mean, it's completely unlike anything I've experienced in my lifetime. I've been watching West Ham for what eighteen, nineteen years now, and we haven't had another period anything like this really and in that time the closest I suppose we, we would have had to that would have been the reaching the FA Cup final uh, which is an experience in itself um, the season in the championship which was quite fun because we were dominating teams uh, at that time and watching Mark Noble that season was a lot of fun and um, and then Pyatt under Billich but they were all they didn't come with trophies they didn't come with sustained periods of pressure at the top of the table they were very much um, single season really exciting moments uh, and often flash in the pan campaign yeah exactly and often came around individual players who were particularly um impressive at, at that time this has been very different um it feels like we have a, a really organized unit a team that has an identity um and and we've moved really i suppose the most impressive thing is to move from having it built around one player who was exceptional 
and going into another season now and and seem to have not just one player as exceptional we maybe have two or three now going into the season and think well actually there's some really really good players in in this team so i think those are all really good things i think the frustration comes from how um how much ag there is in the fan base at the moment yeah. over a lot of what's going on um and how big the disagreements are and how i think there is probably a sensible discussion at the at the core of it at the center of it which has kind of moved into something that i would describe as being relatively incoherent now where the goalposts are, are moved all the time the argument doesn't really make much sense anymore and it's very difficult to understand what the actual vibe of the whole fan base is at the moment it seems completely fragmented um which makes the process that... less enjoyable i think as a fan at the, at the moment yeah i mean yeah i could you you can fill in for me any week i'm not off mate and just assume <laughs> that anything you say that i would agree with I, I couldn't agree more do you find that the do you find when you talk about that um that the difference is do you notice a difference perhaps Sorry, what I'm saying is, do you notice that divide in the ground as well as on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I think all of the arguments that that I read on on social media that that come through the kind of work we do, you know, through podcasts and 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 all related fan media are definitely reflected in the fan base. They're certainly reflected in, in my blog and and when I when I have gone to to games. I mean, even at the, at the final, having conversations around that, that, that a lot of the same conversations have been are being had anywhere in West Ham spaces over the last, I don't know, it's probably been um, nine months of, of very similar discussions. Minimum, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think definitely, I think I don't think it's just an online thing. I think the online thing is as, as much a reflection of what happens in the stadium as the stadium is a reflection of what happens online. What do you reckon, Jonesy? Do you find that? Well, I've, I've not really noticed it in the ground as such. Um, I mean can't get away from it anywhere else you know, but when you're in the ground you don't i don't some people say that it comes across just in the general atmosphere in the stadium uh, i wasn't there on sunday but by all accounts going off what people have said on social media it's a bit flat um but is that people go ask oh, it's because it's tourists i mean i don't I'm not, i wouldn't say that but i think maybe it's people just getting a little bit frustrated the fact that we're we're Drawing one away to Bristol City, which you can kind of understand given the team he put out, but um, I've not noticed it in person, really. But I, I, I always find that, thing, or... yeah, I'm always sort of a little bit because <clears throat> I just I always use sort of my dad as an example, right, Jack? Where you know he's just knocking on the door of sixty, he doesn't know what a Twitter is, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he and. He goes to West Ham and loves West Ham and, you know, didn't like going to West Ham when Sam Allardyce was in charge. Just like I didn't like, I hated it under Allardyce really badly. Um, and, but, you know, and he was out with me and James in, in Prague and in Lyon and Seville and Frankfurt. And, we, you know, we've been going on and off, uh, sorry, not on and off, um, like, year in year out season tickets few away games for you know he's been going even longer than i have but i've been going for you know 25 years or whatever it might be and 
he so I sort of use him as a good gauge when I'm like I'm looking at Twitter too much and I'm using that to form all of my opinions about what everyone else thinks and I need a bit of hang on a minute you know the algorithms are there to pump up the extreme like sides of both arguments right and no one with a sane mind in the middle tweets they just get on with their day if they don't care that much and I always chat to my dad and he's just like oh yeah all right it's not great and we don't have much of the ball but like name me as this is what I, he says and i agree it's like name a season you'd swap like this one with uh, since i've been alive and i honestly maybe that i wouldn't swap the last season up to parks we weren't in europe like i don't know when i'd swap other than like the first year of david Moyes' second spell in charge like and the europa league season and yeah i i i, I the whole thing's baffling me to be honest yeah i, th- I would i would agree with that I, I think also just to qualify what i was saying about the stadium compared to online i think you know when i started talking about it i was sort of trying to say that there's a sensible discussion at, at its core and i think you get more of that in the stadium when you're meeting west ham fans in person yeah. you get a sensible discussion best, about yeah. about a debate over david moyes which you know there is one to be had i think what happens online is like you say the algorithms amp up the extremes and it becomes a, yeah. a much less sensible discussion yeah. um so yeah i think i think i don't i don't think there's there's i don't think there's no reason for the debate i think there's clear reasons for it and um and people have legitimate um qualms with the with the with the style of play and and with the amount that we control games and and actually how much we can struggle when we do attempt to control games um and i think there are there are real issues around that um i think like you said though when it comes to discussing results and whether you'd swap it swap what's going on now for other seasons you have to respect the the achievements of the club within those conditions and and actually look at some of the the positives that come with with how we do play and how well we do execute our brand of football even if it's not necessarily the one that fans would most like west ham to be playing jack do you think that uh, just off the back of that you think that when the conference league has uh, injected almost a hyperinflated um sense of um almost I don't really know. Hyperinflated sense of entitlement that you know we should go on and do more now. We should we should be we just won a trophy. We should be better now. We, we should constantly be playing better football. We should be attracting better players. We should be we shouldn't be having to put Tim and on the ball and play counter attacking football against Brighton away, for example. That worked, but we shouldn't be we shouldn't be having to win games like that away from home. You know, and I think it certainly instilled that in you, James. No, 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 no. See, see. I did a bit of soul searching over over the Christmas period, but, and um, pre pre Arsenal, pre Man United, pre Arsenal, th- those results, I was a bit like, I'm getting a little bit sick of this. I mean, no, we've got the it, podcast to prove it, mate. Yeah, is it? Um, uh, is there like a heightened level of expectation now that we've got that trophy in the bag? Yeah, you know, three three come out to four four potentially four consecutive years in Europe. This isn't. I can see both sides of the, the argument is that this isn't the style of play that teams like this adopt in order to be successful. And I think a lot of people are maybe a little bit, hang on, like when when you, years ago, when you envisaged, oh, one day West Ham are going to be really successful and winning trophies, we're going to do it while playing really great football and it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really, you know, and 
we're currently having that really successful period and we're not doing it in a nice attractive style of football. We're doing it almost backwards. I think fans are just almost a little bit confused. Like, hang on, we've waited, we've waited all this time for, for this period in our lives and it's not perfect. In terms of, oh, this, that's it, right? In terms of the style of play, in terms of, I'm not saying that. That's how I believe it. No, you have been. But mate. I'm saying that that's that's probably that's that's the argument that some fans are, are putting across is that yeah, it's great, but it could be better. I think when it comes to talking about the Conference League and and inflated expectations, you know, I think possibly I think there are two things I'd say about this. One expectation. Um, comes off the back of success always. So you win yeah. things, it, it creates more expectation. And expectation generally around football, I find to be quite toxic in in, in almost all situations. Um, I think if you look at the top six in inverted commas clubs and, and say where we had been in previous years, I think a, a lot of us would have laughed at the way those, their fans behave. And I think in part that is because of the level of expectation and therefore... You know, you look at teams who are performing well and fan bases are often unhappy because there's another step or the fan bases perceive there to be another step. And, um, and you know, we probably would have laughed at that previously and here we are. And I think that is to do with toxicity and expectation and I'd the like two things being pretty I'm uncomfortable. I'm still laughing at that. <laughs> yes, so am I. I think you know, pretty, pretty uncomfortable, those two things together. The other, the other thing I would say, though, is I think it is just kind of the football fan condition you you always want things to be better i think that's just being a football fan is that you, you always are looking at the next thing i think it's very difficult to stop i mean that was the joy of prague really and and the joy of a final at the end of a season is it's very difficult to stop in football and just pause and go out oh, this is right this is really nice right now <laughs> um you know there's always another game coming there's always anxiety about what the next step is going to be and and for a team like West Ham, or for any team, really, until you do everything, you complete the whole, you know, well, what, what you've done recently. You're always looking at well, where are we going next and how are we going to get City. there. Men City are just like, oh, like it was a bit underwhelming almost, wasn't it? But me, me and yeah. James, right, we're in a bar after the the game in Prague, you know, just come out of the stadium, just completely drained from the whole thing, going, well, just that's it now. Stop football. Like, mm-hmm. no more. Don't need to go and watch West Ham anymore. <laughs> Let's like finish on a high. Uh, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I do disagree with you slightly there about the football fan condition because honestly, and it, I, I found it very, very easy to enjoy the past three seasons of West Ham. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I will, like, it's it, it just so weird that the, the change in the change in tone of people's voice, right? The first season under David Moyes, you know, if we nicked a few results here or there, or we went one nil down and came back to win or got a last minute goal or an equaliser, it was, oh, this is brilliant. West Ham never did this before. We were always a team that as soon as we went one nil down, we'd just lose. You know, oh, this is wicked. We finally got a bit of steeliness about us. Two seasons later, right? One average Premier League season, and a good run in the, the tertiary European competition. And now it's, oh, why are we relying on late Thomas Suchek goals to win games? Oh, this is such a load of rubbish. Why aren't we dominating? Oh, God, why are we only drawing at home to Brighton? They're, and it's just changed. It's the same stuff. It's the same stuff and the same result that David Moyes was producing 
in the season leading up to the Europa League qualification and then the Europa League season, the first one. It's the same stuff, but two seasons later, fans all of a sudden don't like last-minute winners or don't like being a bit more steely and don't like being as a lot more difficult to break down than we have been historically for most of our lives. And but I, I don't know. I just, I frankly, I find myself more and more alienated by the whole thing. And I'm just like, what is the matter with you lot? West Ham is sixth. And maybe I'm still in the mind frame of it will all go to pot soon. And I mm-hmm. think there is an element of that. And I'm like, you know what? When we're 12th in a couple of years' time, Paqueta's gone, Kudus has gone. Like, Jared Bowen's at Liverpool and he scores the fourth one at London Stadium. He's lose 4-0 to drop to 13th and Europe's a distant memory. All of you lot who were moaning, oh, God, I wish we had more of the ball. I want to I want to sit and have a chat with you then. Because I just, I really find it impossible to understand. I think, I mean, I can completely see where you're coming from and I feel very similar uh, on a personal level. And when I say the football fan condition, that obviously doesn't include everyone. I've been able to enjoy the last few years a lot as well. I suppose I just mean as a general expression of how football fans react. It's often you want to build layers. You want things to get better. You always want things to get better, regardless of how good the last bit was. You want the next bit to be better, if it's possible. That's why I mean, and sort of until you get to the Man City point, people are always driving. And that's how I feel about it. I think, unfortunately, you know, football to me is is meant to offer a level of escapism to people, right? And I think, and an enjoyment, right? Something that's completely different from the day to day, the drudgery of whatever it is, and and take you out of that, and be something that's really enjoyable. And I think, unfortunately, with the way that it, that it is now, and probably has been, but that it's often expressed, and I would express it as a now thing because it's changed in my lifetime. It. it there are such financial constraints in, in, in place and such stratification in place that, you know, West Ham operating at, at 99% of its maximum ability is going to struggle to finish consistently statistically 100 times out of 100 better than, you know, Manchester City performing at 1% of its ability just because of the difference in finance there. So, I, I, and that, that makes it difficult as a discussion for me because you can only overperform so much it's, there's only so much that's possible, you know, and and people will bring get, right? exactly, and people will bring anomalies into the discussion, like Leicester City, and say, look, it's it's possible, and of course it James is possible. There's no arguing with the fact that it that 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 it's possible. Of course it is, but it's not possible to sustain it. I mean, look at what's happened to Leicester City afterwards. You know, it was clearly an anomalous season. So I think what you have to look at is what is sustainably possible given the finances of the club, given the finances of the league. And I think that's where the conversation becomes boring. It moves away from what football's meant to be. It's not escapism, it's not enjoyment and this kind of aspirational you know trying to make everything better and hoping for the best kind of results and wanting the team to be as best as possible it becomes a a much more dull discussion about right well where do the finances place west ham probably somewhere around the middle of the table where are west ham performing at the moment ninth ninth in the table in terms of squad value where are west ham performing at the moment continuously obviously last season fell out of rhythm but aside from that we have been performing at a really high level in the sort of top seven region of the league which means we are overperforming by a better margin than most clubs have been in the league consistently over this period so I think you know that's where I come to when it 
when you talk about sort of trying to assess how the manager is doing, ultimately that's what I want the manager of my football club to do is to take the club from where it is financially and try and push it slightly above that on a consistent basis. And, and that's, above its weight, yeah. That is basically what I see West Ham as trying to do and what West Ham should be as a team that probably sits financially somewhere in the middle of the table, dependent on what teams are about and what financial things happen. You know, obviously things have changed recently with Newcastle's takeover, et cetera, et cetera. But the hope is, is to take it from probably should be finishing somewhere between eighth and 12th and push that towards between fifth and eighth so that we can get European football, so that we can have the away days in Europe. That's the whole gig point yeah. yeah and and at the moment that's what i see us doing yes mm. i i can understand an argument that i would like to see us doing it in style but you have to answer the question how likely would it be that you would be able to achieve these results with that style and i think that's where the conversation becomes a I'm little really bit like you, Jack. confusing and difficult to argue sorry and i'm droning on a bit here yeah, no. but um I think you have to look at how integral our style has actually been to getting the results we've gotten in Europe. I don't think we would have got half as many of the results that we've got in Europe if we were trying to play a more uh, quote-unquote ambitious style of football because it's actually our style being so different to the way that is often played at this level and often played in these leagues, you know, Leon was so uncomfortable against us because of the way that we play. Sevilla was so uncomfortable against us because of the way we play. Alkmaar came unstuck against us because of the way we play. Fiorentina eventually came unstuck against us, again, because of the way we play. So I think, actually, in many ways, the style is what enables us to achieve those kinds of results. And those are the kind of results I want West Ham to be getting. Where I think the manager should be proving himself more or pushing it further it's it's in the results what we see this season it's the games like Brentford it's the games like Everton where you want the manager to take the squad that he's got himself by the way I've said this before on Twitter but players didn't arrive from space he took a group of players that were hanging around Amen. the relegation zone pushed it forward attracted the kind of players that play for us now by getting the results he got to push us into Europe that's why they're here because they want to play for this team now under this manager that's got us into the position that we're in what he now needs to do to convince a large section of the fan base that has become disaffected is to take that forward and say, when we do have the ball, when teams sit off and give us 60% possession, can we look convincing when we do that? At the moment, no. And that is the biggest frustration, I think. And that's the bit that I understand. That's where James, how angry are you right now? I'm not angry at all. This is the, this is the game you're playing. You're sitting there with a Are you shuddering with players. rage? Is that? And I'm not because... <laughs> Because I don't disagree with anything Jax has said. Um, and you do when it comes of, out of my mouth. Um, so I did a lot of a lot of soul searching over the over the Christmas period, like I said, and um, I, I completely agree with everything that Jack said. Um, but it goes back to my original point. We're not going to touch on it again. But I, I it all came from me going. Oh, I don't think Moore is just the right man long term. And I think I think the key the key thing in in that in that uh, comment is long term. Absolutely. I, I, I made it very clear that I don't think he should be sacked now. He shouldn't be sacked tomorrow. That should be a, a, a mental decision for the club to make. And I saw a lot of fans calling for him to be sacked after we lost to Everton. Um, going, he's got to go. Even I saw some people go after the Bristol City game and go, oh, you know, yeah, OK, well, we, yeah, we did beat Arsenal and United, but 
results like that means he's got to go <laughs> yeah. now. It's yeah. like, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we did beat two but, of the biggest teams in the country. But, exactly. What do you mean? But, but, like, lo- yeah. but long term, that's that was that was where a lot of my argument was coming from. Was going, okay, like brilliant, like it's really good. We've won a trophy. He has got us punching above our weight consistently through the last four years. Like we look, we're looking at potentially four years in Europe for it's currently three years in Europe for the first time in our history. Like this is a golden era at West Ham United, but there are question marks with me. It's just that. Is he the long-term guy that's going to make it six, seven years in this position, eight years in this position? And that's when I say it wants to be want to get it better. For us, that is better. That is a constant. That's like sustainable progress. You know, might finish fifth one year. We might go and win an FA Cup one year like that. For me, that's good, sustainable improvement and progress. Is David Moyes the right man? I have question marks over it. Jack touched on on the style of play and whether we're convincing on and off the ball and stuff like that. I think. I don't think those questions are going to go away with David Moyes in charge. Um, I mentioned two, two, three weeks ago that about the the way that he's built his squad means that when he does want to go to Liverpool in the quarterfinal and uh, and rest after squad and play some of the fringe players, those fringe, <coughs> fringe players aren't played enough so that when they do play and get thrown thrown into the deep end, they get absolutely battered regardless if it's Liverpool or not. But that is we chicken play, and egg, isn't it? Because they don't we, play we enough because they're shit. Or oh, sorry, they're not very good. We, but we played Brighton the other day, uh, drew nil-nil. Um, everyone was going, well, Brighton were weaker. Brighton had a few injuries and suspensions. It's like, yeah, I know, but their fringe players are used a hell of a lot more. So when they are called upon, it's not even no- but they even no- need- It's barely even noticeable. But they were, they were better than us on the day. But so that, that was that 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 was that's the point I'm saying is that it's not. Yes, it's great, but it's, it's by no means is it perfect. And by no means does does it mean that David Moyes is the long term person to take us to that next level, which was what the fans quite rightly are looking looking for. How, how many? How long do you have to be at the next level before you want to go at the next level again? Well, that's because that's, this is like, the next level. This is what we we're begging for for such a long yeah, time. Yeah, but but you mentioned it earlier is that okay? Well, how long does this last before we could potentially go back to where we were before? We're about to give like, them a two and a half year deal, aren't we? Well, that, that's absolutely fine, but are we going to? Uh, uh, does that mean that we are going to continue at this level for two and a half years? I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on it. I don't know what Jack thinks about whether in two and a half years, in two and a half years' time, if we sit here again in two and a half years, we'll be getting coin abs another another season in the top six, top seven, uh, another semi final in Europe. Fantastic. Or we'll be going. Oh, I've just missed out on top ten. Uh, annoying, annoying that we just got battered by Liverpool in the quarterfinal for the third year running. No, are we going to be there or are we going to be still going? What what a great season! I think this is really like a, the most difficult bit of the discussion, really, because when it comes to projecting what's going to happen in the future, yeah. it's really hard for us to say. Um, and I think there are a couple of things for me to talk about here. The first of which is looking at underlying data and looking at the way that the team is trending. At the moment, I wouldn't suggest that the underlying data is trending in a particularly positive direction, which has been one of the leading reasons why at Analytics United, we've been a little bit slow to be, you know, really committed. We want to keep Moyes for, for, for as long as possible because we're seeing 
slight trends downward in, in some of the data, but then we're also seeing trends like upwards what, in what other data, parts of the data. So example. for example, in the most basic underlying data would be something like XG differential. So the num number of chances we're creating and the quality of those chances compared to other teams, that would be trending more negatively. But to counter that, if you're looking at an, an effective counter-attacking team, the effectiveness of our counterattacks are trending massively positively and continue to get better. We're better in front of goal. We're more, far more clinical than I think almost any other team in the Premier League. And and we actually convert counterattacks to shots almost better than most of the teams in the Premier League as well. So if you're looking at the primary function of the team, that data is trending really positively. So I think that's why projecting can be quite difficult because there are some data that says, maybe this would be an opportunity to move on and some data that says if you drill down into what the team does well continue to recruit around that then you could be building a team that is very 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 good at one side of the game and can consistently pick up results doing that well i think the second part of the discussion the second really major part of the discussion is again looking at the financials and i think <clears throat> what you have to think about when you're a club like west ham in fact almost any club and if you're not in the sort of man city level of of money to throw around is is how much is it's going is it going to cost you to build a squad and how many years is it going to take you to build a squad so i think there's a lot of discussion there's often a lot of discussion around david moyes saying he's got us to this level but if we want to go again, if we want to get further than this, or if we want to maintain this, could we move on to a different kind of manager with a different style that plays a style that maybe is more fitting of this level in the league? My big question mark over that is how are you going to finance that? How are you going to achieve a completely different squad that's set up completely differently, that would need completely different profiles to get to that point? Yes, you could. But I think ultimately, in order to get there, you'd have to accept an initial drop off and then you'd be taking a very significant risk on the quality of that manager and the quality of their recruitment to get from that drop off back into the into the top six region of the Premier League. Because I don't think it's doable on the finances that we have at West Ham to go in one summer or a summer in a January from a squad that's very good at one thing to a squad that can do a completely different kind of thing. There are a lot of guys in this group who are very good under David Moyes. Thomas Suchek and Vladimir Sufal, I'm, I'm looking at you, who maybe wouldn't be so successful under a different kind of manager. And you'd need, I would suggest, quite expensive profiles in key positions in order to make a different manager style work. That's one of the big issues for me is that it's quite hard to reverse out now and, and, and to go to a completely different style because we built yeah. really well around the way that we play. On that, do you think that the introduction of Tim Steitman is kind of almost the beginning of the club steering away from David Moyes' style but in terms of the recruitment that he's already made with a view of maybe in a two and a half years' time slowly kind of building a, a squad that then you could, could go out there and get a manager and they could use those sort of players. I'm looking at, you know, this, the recruitment has been a lot better I mean, David Moyes' recruitment has been absolutely fantastic since he came. Yeah, sensationally better, isn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, but the, the I felt like the calibre of player that came in in the summer was almost just an upper level um, yeah. under Tim Steitman. Do you think that that's with the club one eye on post Moyes, when, whether that's this summer or in two and a half years' time? 
any club in our position should have an eye, have one eye on, on post and What should happen? Should it's never felt like we've had though, is it, up until now? No, it, it hasn't. But I think <laughs> yeah, Stein, we never felt like of, we've had a view post tomorrow, usually, have we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Stoughton is part of protecting ourselves against that sort of previous naivety. I don't think I would frame the discussion so much as preparing for a post Moyes West Ham or anything. I think it's just being aware that anything can happen with your current manager, whether it's a a run of really poor form, the manager decides that he wants to move on, wants a sabbatical, another club comes and takes him, national team comes and takes him. Who knows? There's there's a lot, all sorts of things that could, could, could happen with Moyes. So you want to try and bring in, (laughs) you want to be trying to bring in a couple of flexible profiles, basically. So that if you did need to pivot for whatever reason, you've got, players who would be capable in playing other mm. stars as well. I do think one of the really strong elements with Moyes, though, and I do want to say this when we're talking about finances and building a squad and being able to compete at the top six level, consistently overperforming, is that he is one of those managers, there's a reason he did it so well at Everton, who can make a lot out of a little. So when you're looking at the squad pieces that go around some of the centrepieces that you can bring in when you're, when you're a club like West Ham, he can often get more out of those players than other managers are capable of doing um and obviously that changes you know we've had good examples recently i suppose roberto de Zerbi is proving his his worth as someone who can take a big group and rotate it effectively and get lots out of out of different players they're, they're no better than us are they they're, they're doing it differently but they're below us in the league they're the same stage mm-hmm. in europe there's no guarantee that brighton will be in the europa league slash conference league and in those areas of the league, three seasons running, is there? I, 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 I genuinely, because he feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jonesy, he feels like the sort of person who, and what he's doing at Brighton, who is fueling uh, your sort of fire a little bit more and those who are far more extreme. I know I've been giving you a bit of a grief tonight, but I haven't spoke to you for a few weeks, so you would do it. But, you know, those who are even more blind to any sort of, you know, argument to the contrary that, um, you know, those who want to, be, you know, burn David Moyes at the stick. It feels like what Roberto De Zerbi is doing at Brighton is the main fuel for that fire, really. I don't think anyone goes, oh, look at Eddie Howe at Newcastle. They're playing like Brazil. I don't think anyone really sort of anywhere else goes, oh, look what they're doing. It's amazing. Other than Unai Emery at, at Aston Villa. They're, but it, it feels like the De Zerbi thing's the most one where, you go, well, that's what I want West Ham to look like. Is is that fair to say? Kind of. I mean, it's, it's hard not to look at a couple like Brighton. And I even put Brent, Brentford in, I, I in, don't in find this it hard. conversation <laughs> um, and, and go, and go well, you know, what they're doing is, is yeah, okay, like they're, they're a little bit behind the, the journey that we're on. But, I mean, they're Who's on a the similar... other team you said, mate? Sorry. Uh, Brentford. And so, but I look at Brentford more from the recruitment side of things and the way that they use, they use data and then all the rest of it. Um, but from uh, Brighton, from a recruitment point of view, fantastic club when it comes to buying and selling players. And, you know, they say they sell their best players every summer and still you don't really see a great deal of drop off. Hmm. Um, it's just difficult to look, um, to Would not you say look it's better at than a club like, uh, what recruitment wise. Yeah. Because um, given what you, like, and the players I wouldn't go. I'd say it's, it's there or thereabouts. I mean, you look at some of the players yeah, that they've yeah, signed over the last couple of years. The difference is that they know how to sell a player, whereas we don't. Um, like we'll bring a player. Deckers, in. British record. It was so de- yeah, but we didn't bring him in. though, did we? He was just a, like a youth player. But yeah, you know, we bought, no, bought Skamaka, didn't work out. Sold him for what a loss. 
Yeah, Allah, loss. same with Hala, loss. Yeah. We'll sell Corne for a loss, you know. We'll Havad Nordvai, uh, Gokan Toure. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Gugli, so, loss, loss, whereas, loss. whereas if, if they'd have gone to if they'd have gone to Brighton and not worked out, Brighton were still made, made themselves a nice little tidy profit off them. It's the way they do business. But that, to the original point, I think there is an element of look what Deserve is doing at Brighton. Um, they you know, they are they're they're more over overachieving and punishing up their weight than we are, to be quite honest. Uh, and the fans are looking at it going, look, they're playing good football. They're punching above their weight. Why can't we punch above our weight and play good football with a manager like Deserby? And that's where it's coming from, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just don't think they're much better than us. Well, they're not. The league table tells you it's not. I, I think the Brighton one's really interesting. I think their recruitment's excellent. I think one of the things that makes it kind of difficult is I almost feel like you can't exactly do that at West Ham because we're swimming in slightly different oceans you know i think mm. they spread risk and recruit younger and lesser known profiles if we had a window like one of brighton's would our fans be particularly of course not, excited of by course it? not. No. that's the elephant in the room no one wants to and say I, it and i think they're much more forgiving i i think that you know when you're a team like west ham and or Everton, I think one of the challenges that comes with that is you're trying to pick the right players that the big clubs don't want. So you're looking at players <laughs> that the top six all agree, yeah, not for us, and trying to pick out of that cast the ones that they're wrong on, which is a very small group of players. Mm. Um, and I think that's what makes recruitment at West Ham quite challenging. And I'm not saying we've done it well. I think we've done it quite poorly. Um, until recently. Um, but I think it's different doing recruitment at a team like West Ham than it is doing it at, at Brighton because, yeah, you're on the development curve at Brighton. If you finished 12th, 13th, 14th, whatever, it would be fine because you're bedding in a group of young players. You're looking to build with that group. You're going to sell that group then and go again with another group. It's a they different were well paced model. with Graham Potter, weren't they? Yeah. It's a completely they, different They didn't model. score for weeks on end, and everyone's like, oh, that's all right. You know, <laughs> playing nice footy. Don't worry about it. You know, we live by the seaside. No, I, I, I could honestly, and that is one thing I think that gets ignored so often is that the nature of our fans, and it's being proved at this very moment by the fact that our fan base, uh, not all of it, but large parts of it at the moment, are producing and finding anger in a time one of the basically the most successful period of of the modern era i think tells you a lot of what you need to know like is that there is no it's a far less forgiving environment isn't it you know we see it at a weekend with like we as a fan base we're booing draws now are we like we drew, we drew, drew at home to Brighton a team we hadn't beaten until this season for thirteen years, and who everyone else is waxing lyrical about saying how good they are on the back off the back of being literally the best team in the Premier League over the Christmas period, like top of the festive form table, and we um, and as a fan base we're we're booing those now like Bristol City the weekend, I mean I'm still not really inclined to boo. That's sort of a game where you just get up, maybe you don't clap. But honestly, like that, come on, Josie, you've got to acknowledge that there is, is a clear shift. A since we moved to the London Stadium, but there there is a shift in like the general level of like 
just appreciation and expectation and then like anger that comes off the back of that at West Ham and what a different environment it is to other sort of clubs who would like to be at our level. It goes back to the um, to the expectation debate, and mm. I think that even though we won we won the Conference League last year, I think I think the fact that we ended up slipping down into fourteenth in the league and had generally a poor domestic season, I think that's still in people's minds. Going, a lot of people still believe, and you know maybe there is an element an element of truth in it that if he had he not won that Conference League, he would have been out the door. Of course, because yeah, of we the, said that on the pod. Didn't so, we? No, so didn't a, a, a lot, a lot of fans are going, "Well, okay, yeah, brilliant. He's given us a trophy, the first one since 1980, but he's only here because he won that." And everyone said, "Right, you've got to push on next season," and he has. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I, 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 I just don't think that he, there, there are. There's a large. There's a. There's a, a, a. Not really a large section of fans, but a, a, a section of the fan base that haven't even said that you've got to push on. It's like unacceptable last year, Dave. Yes, okay, you won you won you won us a trophy. Uh some of those fans even go, it won't even Dave David Moyes that won a trophy. It's just because it's Declan Rice and yeah. Lucas Paquette yeah, and Jared yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah, even David, David Moyes. Had nothing to do with that. Not yeah, not yeah. having not having that. But yeah. I just think it goes down to that. I think that had we had we had a had we finished ninth last year and won a trophy, I don't think we'd be this debate would be as intense as it is right now. I think I think it was because it was such a poor year in the league, I think. But yeah, don't you think, mate, that the, the, like the position in the table clearly doesn't matter? Because if it did, we wouldn't be having this chat at the moment, would we? Yeah. Listen, Jack, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. I told you in a text uh, that we'd keep you for 15, 20 minutes. It's been 41. Uh, I Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, you, the reason I got you on the podcast was because I agree with loads of the things you tweet uh, has translated into uh, vocal, whatever the sentence is that's <laughs> correct that makes sense for that. But um, yeah, look, before we go, just give me one last little Happy New Year present for me. Um, give me, just give me your thought. What do you think about Saeed Benrama? <laughs> look, I think Saeed Benrama is going to be and will be a good player for another football team that need his profile more than West Ham need like his South profile. South End United. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be as harsh as you on this. I think the the issue with this for me, uh, and I spoke about this on, on our last podcast, um, which is the West Ham Breakdown. There's a little plug. <laughs> um, but... Um, we were talking about the difference between assessing Ben Rama and Fournals and just saying that if you look at the way that West Ham play under David Moyes, you often have one creative winger who comes inside, abandons the wing, and one direct winger who tries to go beyond the striker and score goals. Does Ben Rama fit into either of those two categories? Not really. He's more... Wingers pushing it, I think. I think I think he's the kind of guy who you could potentially see being more successful, not in the Premier League, because I think he struggles with the intensity of of the league. I think in a in a different division, I think if he gets his move to France, I think we could see him being better. And in a in a team that wants to keep the ball possessable in the final third for long periods of the game, I think he could do that relatively well. Um, when you're asking him to be direct, dynamic, beat a man, and be totally clinical on counterattacks, that's not his game. And Asking him to do that exposes his inability to function at doing that at the top level and makes him look like a worse player than he is. So, in short, Jack, he's not completely and utterly rubbish. He's just 
not being utilised <laughs> to his full potential in a system that suits him. I think, don't put words in his mouth. <laughs> I don't think he's rubbish, but I also don't think he's been able to adapt to Premier League football particularly successfully. And I think if you, even if you put him in some of the sides that do play that style in the Premier League, I think he would he would still struggle um, yeah. because ultimately the the intensity of the division, the speed of the game and the number of chances you're going to get in the final third are going to be less at this level and therefore you need to make more out of them. And you see guys who are of a very similar profile to Ben Rama but more premium like Anthony still struggling in the Prem. Uh, so you have to be exceptional to make that style work in the Prem at the moment, I think. And, and he's not that, unfortunately. Yeah. Definitely not. I don't think anyone ever described him as exceptional. Look, James, I know you're trying to get uh, get Jack to say he's not rubbish there, but the man writes for the programme, for goodness sake. He's got a, he's got a living to think <laughs> about here. <laughs> uh, no, look, I, you know, call me, um, call me bizarre or whatever, but I personally think one assist and zero goals from nearly 20 appearances this season isn't that good for an attacker. But, you know, shoot me for having such a bizarre uh, outlook. Listen, Jack, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I don't think James has at all. I think, it, yeah, I think I'm going to get a couple fine. of angry texts I've, I've really later. enjoyed it. Really Don't just say that again. Why you get people on that are just going to be an echo chamber to you and say the things you agree with? Uh, but that, nah, it's been brilliant having you on, Jack. Um, just go on. I'll tell you what. Uh, give us uh, what was it? What's your let, let everyone know where they can get your stuff if they uh, if they want to hear a bit more. Um, basically, Will Pugh, who can actually like vocalize his thoughts and feelings a little bit clearer. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack Alderton. You can find uh, the podcast we do where we go through the tactics um, each week uh, and talk about how the players function within those tactics um, at the West Ham breakdown. Uh, and if you want to read, um, kind of a database uh, view of how the players are doing at the moment. You can find that in the program um, or buy a program and, and get my analysis on each team we play and, and what their major weaknesses are, because that's in the program every week too. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Jack Elderton, absolute right. top man. That's it for the podcast this week as well. Uh, Jonesy, have you got anything to add before I say goodbye to everyone? Tell them to follow us and subscribe to everything. No, it's just good to be back. Uh, great discussion there with Jack. Um, and yeah, good to be back and looking forward to the second half of the season. We can uh, hopefully hopefully be booking some flights to, to Dublin in a few months' time. I told crossed. you, you're not allowed to come. You're not allowed to come. After the approach before Christmas, any success or West Ham this season, you're not allowed to enjoy I'll, it. I'll be there. I'll be there regardless, <laughs> mate. I'll be on my own. <laughs> listen uh thanks very much to everyone for listening this week thanks to jack Elton, of course thanks to jonesy bless him he's fronted up well this week after a couple of weeks off not having me giving him a grilling which we would have done if we'd have done a podcast over christmas but thanks for listening don't forget to follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham get us at we are west ham pod on instagram where else are we can email us at we are west ham pod at gmail.com buy us a pint if you fancy uh buy me a coffee.com slash we are west ham and subscribe to the youtube channel i think that's about it if you listen long term you'll know the ones i've forgotten uh, but thanks very much for listening everyone bit of a disappointing draw at home to Bristol City. But ultimately, what a sensational festive period. Glad to be back onwards and upwards in 2024 for West Ham United and the We Are West Ham podcast. West Ham are massive up the hammers and we'll see you next week. 
Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. The We Are West End podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West End business in the West End family by giving Miriam a call or a shout. It's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. Sports Social Podcast Network.